Welcome to Run This World. My name is Nicole DeBoom. I'm a former pro athlete turned entrepreneur. Each week, I'll bring you insights and inspiration from some of the world's greatest visionaries who will help you run your world in ways that you didn't even realize were possible. All in the framework of the amount of time it takes for the average person to run a 5K. That's 36 minutes and 38 seconds, give or take a mile. We often go long, so get ready. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's get this workout started. Hey everyone, welcome to possibly the most powerful Run This World episode you have ever heard. Definitely one of the most incredible conversations I've ever had. Today you get to meet an incredible, amazing, strong, uh, successful woman who's on a really cool career path and life path. Her name is Kara Burns. The title of this episode says it all from prison to 26.2. Kara has gone through so much in her life from a time when she made very bad choices and fell into some deep, dark circles um, to a place in her life now where things are looking bright and she's working on seeing the positive. But before you get to dig in and be inspired and get emotional and all those things I did when I listened to our podcast the other day, I want to tell you about two organizations that we mentioned during the conversation today that both have life-changing ramifications for many people. The first is a program called Running Start. I actually founded this program while at Skirt Sports. It was called Kickstart. This year, we turned it into a nonprofit with the goal of growing the program and helping more women. What we do is we transform women's lives through the power of running. We take women who have serious barriers to fitness and have many different kinds of life and health challenges, and we take them down a three-month journey to doing their first 5K. The beauty is that we pair these women with a personal motivator, a woman who holds her hand along the way and helps her see that she can get to the finish line. This program is especially powerful today because Kara actually was one of our beginners two years ago, and her life has been dramatically changed, not only from this, but from other things. This was part of her progress, part of a stepping stone on her path. Um, and today we will also put a link in the show notes, but we are accepting donations. So if you feel in your heart that you want to give and give back a message that Kara definitely expands upon today, go to running-start.org and the website will be in the show notes and give as much as $5, $10, just a little something can go a long way towards helping another woman change her life. All right, everyone. I am sitting here with Kara Burns. Kara, thank you for coming out for this amazing podcast. I'm so excited. Thank you so much, Nicole. I'm really <laughs> excited to be here. Oh, you have had just the most insane path in life. And I thought before we dig into your story, I thought a really cool way to start today might be to ask you right now. I know I'm putting you on the spot here. Okay, I did not prep you at all. And you know that, right? That, that's right. And you promised this can be about anything. Yes, um, I did. So how would you define yourself today? 
the first word that came to my mind when you said that, which really surprises me actually, uh, was a, a winner. I would describe myself as a winner today. Wow, that is so cool. So when somebody, you're walking down the street and you get introduced to someone, blah, 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 Kara, and in your head, you're like, I'm a winner. <laughs> well, let's be let's be honest. I don't th- I don't have those thoughts running through my head randomly when I meet people. But if you ask me today, you know what I think of myself. And so what's funny is if you would have asked me that same question three years ago, my answer would have been more accurately um, a, a felon or a loser or something along those lines. It. It wouldn't have been a winner. Well, then let's start with this. Let's remember this. I'm writing down that word winner because that is huge. I honestly, I, I don't, that's impressive. (laughs) That's amazing. I want everyone listening to think that for themselves. Like when in your life have you ever been able to think that about yourself? So, and here's what I want to do now. I want to take us back in time because I think what's really cool about you and your story is the deep dark path you've led to get where you are today didn't come without a lot of lessons learned Mm -hmm. so everybody knows the title of this podcast is from prison to (laughs) 26.2 right (laughs) there's so there's a story there. So let's let's go let's go back in time and talk about who you were before this big kind of event that happened in your life, which was going to prison. Who were you before that? How would you have defined yourself? How old were you? You know, what were you going through in your life? Again, a word that popped into my brain when you just asked me that was mediocre. I lived a mediocre life. I didn't try too hard at things. If it was too hard, I would give up. I just continually looked for the easy way out. I first started using drugs and alcohol in my late teens, and that progressed to a meth addiction uh, in my early 20s. Around 22 years old is when I first started um, shooting meth. And I continued to do that for several years and got caught um, and did some jail time. I was pregnant. And I had um, my beautiful daughter at that time, and I got clean. I was able to get clean. So, Kara, I mean, how does someone get into meth? Right. I don't even, I mean, I live a different life, but I don't know how you would even get to that point in your life where this becomes a possibility. Sure, sure. In my situation, I, um, I already had already struggled with alcohol, and it was kind of a progressive next step. My uh, sister actually did it, and so I associated uh, you know, that it would be okay. I was like, well, she's doing it. It'll, it'll be fine. And I did it for the first time, and it's one of those kinds of things that you can't just do once. And I immediately was like, oh, well, this is great. This makes me forget all of my problems, and I don't have to worry about anything. Let's go do this. And so all of my responsibilities and pretty much life and my authentic self fell away. Mm. All of that you know, started to just be drowned out with drugs and alcohol. So, okay, let's talk about alcohol for a minute because I shared with you too that I stopped drinking about 10 years ago. And uh, so I understand having problems with, you know, addictions. 
And I've often felt like alcohol could be a gateway type drug for people. They don't usually just start and have like a meth addiction, you know, for instance, they're going to do alcohol or maybe they're going to do marijuana or whatever it is. Is that something that has crossed your mind? So I think that there's two types of people. I think that there's folks that can drink and they can just drink. And then there's the type of person that I am and I can't just drink and I, I can't just, you know, have one drink because that will take me to doing meth within a period of time. It might not be tomorrow. It might not be next week, but at some point it's just progressive for me. Mm-hmm. Period. Yep. So I've had people ask me if, uh, cause I haven't drank or done drugs in over, uh, five and a half years. And I've had people ask me, well, what if you, you know, what if you could have a drink today? Can't you have a drink today? You know what? I've done so much work on myself. I might be able to, but I am unwilling to find out. That's a risk I'm unwilling mm-hmm. to take. I've, I've come too far. I've worked too hard and I've created this amazing life that having a drink is, there's no way I'm going to, you know, that does, it pales in comparison to anything that I've got going today. So there's so much that leads you to having the strength to be able to even look at a question like that and not even consider it. Absolutely. There's, you've got some massive internal, uh, just strength. I don't even know another way to say it now that has taken you to, a, you know, down a whole nother path, mm-hmm. which is so cool. So let's, um, all right. So, so we know there's like addictive personalities. You got tested, you know, by drugs and outside influences young. So you went to, you, you did a little jail time and you were pregnant. You mm-hmm. had a baby. Yep. Yep. I had my daughter and was clean during that time. But the conflict inside of me, the person on my left shoulder uh, said, you can drink. It's that whisper in my ear of, you can have just one, you can drink, you can be normal and um, hang out with people who drink and fit in and it's going to be fine. Well, so I, I thought that I could do that and did and I can't drink like a normal person. So, you know, I played games with it for four years, in and out, in and out, and it just simply progressed for me mm-hmm. until finally I relapsed uh, four years later on meth. You know, honestly, I can relate to that too because I stopped drinking a couple times in my younger life and thought, ah, after a year, I'll just have a drink on you know whatever Thanksgiving or you know, and and suddenly, yes. and yeah, you might be fine for a whole year. And yet it rears its ugly head when you're in times in your life of turmoil, definitely. Yes. And, and maybe even for no reason. Yeah. It just, it just builds on itself. So what led to a point later in your life then? Or how old were you when you actually were sent to prison mm-hmm. and, and that became kind of the catalyst for change? Yep. In 2011, I was... Uh, I had lost my job in 2009 and started selling drugs, specifically uh, large quantities. I was um, making bad choices with my associations and the people that I was hanging out with, and that progressed. I was also uh, living with a man who um, sold lots of drugs, and I made lots of bad choices kind of rooted in that relationship. And that progressed to where I was running, you know, back and forth between um, his supplier and him and um, had knowledge that drugs were going into the state of Wyoming, which is what uh, was the springboard for our federal indictment. 
So I got federally indicted by the feds in January of 2011. And I remember the day I was arrested like it was yesterday. It was, it's still just crystal clear in my mind. There was a part of me that was relieved because it was over. And then, you know, just fear of the unknown, you know, what, what is going to happen. And little did I know at that point, um, I didn't understand federal indictment. I didn't know what that meant. I later came to find out what that means is you're going to do a mandatory minimum of 10 years. In wow. Prison. Oh my. And so I don't know much about the prison system, but federal prison sounds like it's different than state prison or county lockup or whatever. What, what did that mean to you at the time? It is different. And what it meant to me was, um, it was a, a, a great wake up call. If I would have gotten in trouble on a state level, I'm, you know, who knows if it would have had the impact that it did. Mm. You know, the fear of looking down a 10 year sentence was terrifying. And you were in your, like, were you 30? I was 33 years old. Okay. Yep. I was 33 years old. Mm-hmm. I had spent a good portion of my life using drugs and alcohol. Uh, I knew that I, was I, I always felt like I could do more, but I never had uh, great role models for that. I didn't know how to get there. And that's when I started to really dig in was when I very first was arrested. So you got arrested, then you went to jail, you went to prison. Well, I went to county jail. So uh, Wyoming houses their, their federal inmates in Nebraska, Scottsbluff, Nebraska. And what makes that interesting is, is that I was removed far from everybody. Um, my daughter, my family, it made it, uh, super challenging. And so that was hard and good at the same time. I mean, did you just feel totally alone? Could you make friendships? And I mean, how does that process work? It's not exactly, it's not exactly a place that you want to make strong friendships. However, it was definitely the most lonely part of the time of my life, but also necessary. Mm-hmm. I needed to be stripped of absolutely everything, all of the influence, all of the people, you know, everything until I, it was literally just me on the ground, you know, f- trying to figure it out. You know, what, what am I about? W- what is my purpose? What am I doing here? Am I going to continue to live this mediocre life? Am I going to continue to hang around with these people that are making bad choices? Or am I going to, I don't know, maybe put some effort in and, you know, figure something else out. And that's where I, I started to really dig in and investigate, you know, federal sentences. What's the possibility of, you know, getting what's called in the federal system, you know, um, uh, gosh, (laughs) like a reduced sentence. Yes. Yes. Um, so, you know, all of those things, I just really started to research. And then I also identified fairly quickly, um, some things that I could do in the county jail that would, um, take up my time. Uh, we, uh, shaved our heads for kids with cancer Wow! and raised $300 in, um, in the county jail, $300 wow. among inmates is a lot of money. That's amazing. It's, it's, <laughs> that's like $30,000. It's, it's like, a, it's a lot of money. And looking back on it, that's kind of where I started to get my start in, um, influencing people and raising money. Mm-hmm. You know, I can look back on that and kind of see that starting to grow yeah. up a little bit. Well, and it was based around a purpose and a cause Yes, where many of the people in there probably had their own challenges and they were able to grab onto that too. And the best part about it was it took me out of myself. It wasn't yeah. about me. Yeah. I could focus 
focus on helping somebody else. Mm-hmm. And that was the best part was, you know, it's not all about me. And, and I, I, I'm so grateful for that time. And so yeah. by the time I went to sentencing, um, you know, we had also uh, wrote a book with, uh, there were many gang members that were in the county jail with us and um, they did wonderful stories and poems and illustrated pictures. And we all worked together and did this and the county jail was wonderful for um, really for helping us to complete these tasks. And by the time I went to sentencing, I explained all this to my judge. And I also um, explained to her that I didn't deserve, you know, I think every, I had I, helped people write their their letters to the judge that said, you know, please. And they always wanted to say, you know, please sentence me to the lowest amount on the guideline range because I have a child to get home to. And my first sentence to her was, I I did horrible things. I'm not going to ask you to sentence me to the lowest number on the guideline, you know, on the range because I've done horrible things. I just hope that you take these things into consideration that I've done. And she did. And she gave me a variance. Uh, That's the word I was looking for earlier. She gave me a variance the day of sentencing. Um, So my my 120-month sentence, potentially 120-month sentence, was dropped to 63 months. So it's just a little over five years. Yeah. in, In prison. And I knew that I had been given a second chance that day. I was... I was happy. I don't know how many people are happy when they get sentenced to federal prison, but I was happy because it, it was a big second chance for me. Yeah. And I just continued to move forward into prison and continue to do positive things. So, uh, so did you serve five years? Uh, almost. Oh, well, served. I also participated in a uh, drug rehabilitative program, and I... Um, I had some time taken off my sentence for that. It was a nine-month-long um, drug rehabilitative program that helped me um, get my uh, get my life together. Gave me the skills that I needed to make good choices. You know, I I learned so much in that program. It was such a life-changing experience for me. All of those skills. I don't know how accurate this is, but I would bet that most people don't rehabilitate in prison on many levels. Maybe I'm wrong. You did. I mean, what, what are the chances that people will go to a place like prison and actually come out the other side in a positive way? The numbers are low. Uh, they're, they're somewhat low. I, I know that I am in a a narrow category. I am aware of that. Mm Mm-hmm. And what was it that pushed you forward to be able to do this when others can't? A higher calling. I know that I am tasked with sharing a message. I know that um, that I'm being used to uh, do greater things. And it was just an ability to drop everything else and stop putting substances into my body, including cigarettes, you know, just stop doing that so that Mm -hmm. I could listen and be aware and tune into that, that calling and that understanding and that knowing. And I just continue to be sensitive to that and crazy stuff just keeps happening. So it was like this internal thing, but there was some external, uh, like physical, part of this as well. And I'm specifically thinking about even physical fitness in prison, because I know that you were doing some of that while you were 
kind of locked up, right? <laughs> that's where it started. That's where running started for me, but I had no idea what I was doing. I just knew. <laughs> but everyone listening here who's picked up running later in life says the same thing. I had no idea what I was doing. Oh my gosh. I had no idea what I was doing. And yeah, and then there's no resources in prison, right? You know, um, I would call my dad who ran when he was younger and I would, you know, hit him up for information and I used him as a resource, but um, there there was just not a lot of information. So I just did the best I could. And the, the most that I ran up to it when I was locked up was uh, four miles. I couldn't, I couldn't get any any further on my own. But uh, at that time, I thought that was pretty great. (laughs) Wow. So what would you say for somebody who's going through a really dark time and they feel like maybe they've been given a second chance? What, what, what advice do you give them to keep pushing forward so they don't slide back into old habits? There's times that are rough. There's things that are going to happen. My dad just passed away in, in May, very suddenly, you know, stuff's going to happen, but you just have to keep focused on uh, what your goal is, you know, just continue to stay focused on that. There's really no, no easy way to go through the hard stuff. There's no magic pill. There's not. (laughs) There's some pills that are not very magic though. (laughs) So you said you have a higher calling. What would you say your mission is now in your life? So my mission is to share my story, um, to women, uh, and many, many uh, different types of women. So not just women that are locked up in prison, but um, women who are overcoming transition of any kind. I have found, I've spoken to many different groups of, of, and, and I've, I come to understand that my story is not necessarily unique and it can inspire other, other people to, um, to do great things and that, it, that it's possible to overcome whatever it is. Maybe it's not prison for you, but maybe it's um, breast cancer or illness or, you know, a child that, um, you know, that is unhealthy or has disabilities, you know, all the myriad, you know, challenges that, that we all go through. It, it's just a stepping stone to help other people. Yep. It's true. Very true. And you know, it's that whole, like, if she can do it, I can do it thing. You're a very real person and you've got a really great energy about you and, and a humbleness too, which you have to have when you've gone through the dark and come out the other side, (laughs) you can't be cocky or led by your ego anymore. No, you know, no. Um, Let's, uh, I'm going to shift a little bit then because I met you through a program that was previously called Kickstart. Now it's called Running Start and you're actually on the board, which is really cool. A little side note, everybody, we're going to go off after this podcast and talk about fundraising. This is how far Kara has come. Um, and by the way, if you want to donate to running start, we're going to put a link at the end of this podcast. Brilliant. (laughs) Yes. High five. Come on, everyone. (laughs) Um, we'll talk about that in a minute, but, uh, so kickstart or running start is a program that pairs beginner runners with what we call personal motivator, somebody they can kind of, you know, lean on who's there for them. It's not a coach. It's just a, a partner to guide them through this crazy thing called running and learning how to run. And as an adult, like you alluded to before, it's kind of an awkward, uncomfortable beginning where you kind of think like, God, I hope nobody's watching me because I must look like I'm flailing around out there. But yeah, but there's something inside of you that's, that's gotten this bug and said, I think I really want to pursue this thing called running. So 
why in our program you actually have an application where you apply and you actually have to hit send and make a commitment that you're going to train for and do your first 5k um what made you want to apply and hit send the second that i heard about the program i will never forget that we i was sitting in a professional women's group meeting for dress for success and there was about eight of us sitting around the table and amara she is um with Dress for Success, and she was telling us all about the program, and I remember instantly knowing I wanted to be a part of it. I, I was desperate to be a part of it, and so I filled out my application and hit send because I wanted better. I wanted the opportunity to get better. If I am ever offered the chance to be uh, mentored or to learn from somebody else, I, I instantly will grab out at it because I wanna, I'm making up for lost time. I'm 30, almost Mm -hmm. 39 years old, and I'm tired, again, of living a mediocre life. So if if someone says, hey, I'm I'm willing to help you and to match you up with somebody that could potentially, you know, show you how to do things better, count me in. You know, I want to do that. And so that's why I hit send. Uh, When you showed up for that very first meeting, I will never forget um, what you shared. And the way that it works is there's 15 or so beginners and we go around and everybody explains why they're there. And uh, you were last, I think. We hit on you last. And I can see some tears welling up because this was a big deal. It was a life-changing moment. Do you want to share what you said? Yes. I I remember I walked up. I, you know, drove to this meeting and I walked up and... I was still at a point, and I'm not going to lie, there's still parts of me that are a little insecure about this, but I was definitely at a point where I was still raw and knew that every, just knew that everyone knew that I was different. And so I walked in and I was wearing jeans. I didn't have, I didn't have the gear. I had some, I had running shoes, but I didn't have uh, running, you know, anything to run in pants wise. I just, I didn't have the gear, so I didn't fit in. So I instantly looked at all the other women who were in, um, you know, running gear. And my first thought was, these aren't my people. These aren't my people. I don't fit in. I'm uncomfortable. They know that I've been in prison. These aren't my people. So we walk in and sit down in this circle. And I'm thinking that this whole entire time. And we start at the opposite end of the room. And these brave women start to share their stories. Uh, And they weren't prison stories, but they were just like my story. It was stories of of transition, stories of overcoming, stories of being broken and beaten down and challenging, you know, all these challenging things. And they overcome it or they needed some help to overcome it. And we were all there for the same reason. And so by the time it made it around the room to me, I said exactly what I just said, which was, I thought that you guys were not my people. (laughs) I remember that. I thought you guys were not my people. But in the last, I think it took an hour. It took quite a long time to get through everyone. And I I said in the last like 45 minutes to an hour that I've been listening to you guys, I realized you're my people. You are my people. And it was such a cleansing moment for me to realize that, I'm not different from everybody else. I'm not. I'm not wearing the sign on my head that says felon or mistakes or lost my daughter or all the things that that go through my head. I'm just another woman who is trying to to make it and build up other women and grab them by the arms and take them with me. And we're all doing the same thing. (laughs) And once I realized that, it was like, whoa. 
You know? <laughs> that was the biggest moment when I realized that. I was like, okay, I think I can let go of this like prison mentality or prison identity and move the hell on with my life. What if we had to wear like name tags that said all the shit we did in our lives? Right. I mean, no one wants to wear that, but at the same time, it wouldn't matter. Yeah. Because we all have, we have, we've all got that stuff. Wow. I mean... I- you know, the program that we took you through from that moment on was amazing and powerful. You're paired up with an incredible woman who helped guide you throughout the way. Um, but what's really funny, and I have to share this with everyone, is we trained everyone to do a 5K. <laughs> we actually don't like it when they do much more than that because it kind of like the, it makes the other people maybe feel like I couldn't do it or can I do it? Or we're just like, we didn't plan for that. Should we be at your finish line? Or yeah. So anyway, on the graduation race, Kara actually was ready to do a half marathon that day. And so she, she had said, I, I, I can only do the 5K. And it was almost like a look of fear in her eye. Like, I have to do the half marathon. (laughs) So we let her do it. And, uh, I mean, amazing. You're just, you're a talent. You're tough. You're natural. I could see the um, joy and energy that running brought you and the positive place that it's taken you in your life. I, it makes me so emotional to think about the people that I've met through running Uh, what I've learned about myself through running, the confidence that it's given me that I so desperately needed. Um, You know, we mentioned my running motivator, Monica Knox. She, from the get-go, was just amazing and introduced me to some pretty amazing people in the running community. And I've just taken it and continue to, to build on that. And it's the best gift ever. It is the best gift ever. It really is. It is. And Monica, if you're listening, thank you. <laughs> and I love you. <laughs> I, I, I will never forget. Um, I have, the, I blew up this picture of when, um, of when we crossed the, the marathon finish line, uh, last October. And I, I look at it every day. <laughs> okay. You did. Did you hear that? So after the 13 er which is a half marathon that Kara did in June, so she started the program in, uh, March. Did her first half marathon in June and then went and did a marathon, 26.2 mile run, which all of you know what that is in what, October? October. The rock and roll? Yes. You nailed it. I did. Yes. I did. The most exciting part about that was uh, Monica had introduced me to a running coach and um, her name is MK and she um, like personally mentored me and uh, I started uh, college last fall as well. So I'm working my job and then I'm starting college for the first time since dropping out in the 10th grade. And then I'm training for a marathon. And I went to her and I said, I can't do this. And she goes, you can do this. And here's how. And she would run with me in the mornings. And she was just absolutely wonderful. Uh, I, I, I think so highly of her. She, she, she changed my life. And I remember she, I'm texting back and forth with her on the marathon. So I ended up running the marathon by myself. Uh, Monica had to take it slow because she was training for something else. And so coach had her running at, you know, 140 heartbeat. And I was off like a prom dress. I mean, I was just running, running. And my goal was to run the entire race. <laughs> that was my goal. I wanted to run it. I didn't want to walk it. I wanted to run it no matter how slow. And I remember uh, there's a... <laughs> 
few times in my life that have showed me who I am and what I'm made of. And mile, hmm, probably, I want to say like 18. Oh, yeah, that, that'd probably be about right. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first time when I texted her. And she, she had... Um, she was watching me on her thing and I didn't know how that worked. That's how little I knew about racing. I'm like, er, can you see me? <laughs> so you're like a satellite on every single person. She goes, you just passed mile. Da, da, da. And I'm like, you're creeping me out. <laughs> I had no idea how that worked. And I just remember texting her and I, and I still have the text on my phone and I look at it sometimes because I text her and I said, I, I, I'm dying. I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to die. And she <laughs> She goes, you know, keep going. And then I started crying and I wrote her back and I said, I'm crying. And she said, you can do this. You can do this. I'm waiting for you at the end. You can do this. And I ran the whole way. And I just, I just, well, and I remember everything going numb at like mile 22. So after that, it was fine. But I, you know, I just gave it everything I got and the, the feeling that came up inside of me. Um, I rounded the corner. There was about one mile left and my friends were waiting for me. Friends that had been, um, I had been training with, you know, those are long training runs. And so they know everything about me. I know mm-hmm. everything about them and they were waiting for me, holding up a sign. And it was just, I just started crying. I was like, these people, you know, it just, and these are my dear friends today. Um, just people that, that I care about and are just wonderful people legit people. So it, it, I'll never forget those feelings. Um, I don't know when I'll train for and and run another marathon. I might, (laughs) you don't have to. (laughs) Yeah. Once you do it once, right? (laughs) Hey, it can be a bucket list thing. It's great. It's amazing. It was a wonderful feeling. The the problem when you start crying near the finish is that you could hyperventilate and not finish because you're (laughs) so emotional, but you got there. Um, You know, one thing that strikes me too is this is a big part of your life now, running is, Mm -hmm. and being healthy in so many ways. So what what would ever happen if you got injured and couldn't run? Could you pull yourself through that? Um, (laughs) I can. You know, I've gotten creative about my schedule is even more full than it was this time last year, Uh, and I'll share a little bit more about that uh, here in a second, but... Uh, I've gotten creative about the ways that I exercise and it's become something that is very important to me. Running is my true love. And so I, I definitely do that a few times a week. And then I, you know, add in some cross training through Orange Theory. Good. Great. And that keeps me, it's easy. I can show up, do it, not think about it and book it out of there. But, um, I, I'm confident that I'll be able to kind of get creative with how I, how I do that. And yeah. I've been lucky not to be injured because, and you may never get injured because I foam roll like NK tells me to do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I do have a theory that if you pick up running later in life, you're not going to get injured until later, later in life. So if you get injured, you're going to be 70 anyway. Who cares? Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Tell me more about, so what happened in your professional life? You actually, you have a career now. Yes. 20 years ago, you probably wouldn't even thought you'd have a career. No. Um, so tell me about what you're doing. Five years ago, <laughs> I wouldn't have thought that I ha- would have a career. Gosh. So amazing. It, it really is. It's exciting when I think about it. I was speaking at an event for Dress for Success, and the um, nonprofit that was catering that event that day is called Work Options for Women. 
and they're a culinary food service training program. And they were in need of a catering manager. And uh, that was my experience in my 20s. So the four years that I talked about when I was clean and sober, I uh, worked my way up from the bottom in a, a catering sales career. And so I had that knowledge and ability and, and um, knew some stuff about operations, interviewed for the job, nailed it, and got the job. And that was about a year and a half ago. And I've been with them ever since. I've been promoted to uh, not only manage the catering out of uh, both of our social enterprises, as well as um, I manage uh, Cafe United, which is located in the Mile High United Way building uh, at in Denver. And it's been a, a wonderful opportunity to uh, to be a part of, of change, to be a part of something that's changing women's lives. So these women go through this program and it's eight to 12 weeks long and come out on the other side with some employable skills. And mm-hmm. at my particular property, um, they're uh, going through internships. And so they're, they're going through a little bit, you know, further furthering their education. And it's such a neat way. Uh, uh, the manager and I will go back and forth and she'll tell me, she just told me today, you know, I can't get anything right. And I remember that was me two years ago, and I would say wow. those things. So I have the opportunity to say to her, hey, not, we're not perfect. You're doing so great. And I, I can watch her, you know, hear what I'm saying and be affected by it. And it's, it's a neat opportunity. It really is. Gratifying. It is. It is. So you talk a lot about um, believing in mentorship and latching on to people who will mentor you. But do you really realize that you're mentoring so many people through the career that you now have? Maybe. I somewhat, yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, Have you watched any young women go through some issues where you just think in your head, oh, that's going to hurt? I mean, how do you handle those times? One of our interns uh, was struggling with alcohol addiction and then... um, and then relapsed and, and stopped showing up. And that was challenging for me. Uh, you know, I, I couldn't save her. I couldn't save her. You know, it just, it wasn't her time. I've kept in contact with her via text and uh, she is, she went through another treatment program and is doing, doing better, doing better. So, you know, it's, it's just, it's, that can be hard. That yeah. can be hard, but I'm aware of, you know, my, my influence will be positive and maybe, um, you know, they'll take it now or take it later, no matter what it's, it's positive. So what would three important things be that you focus on every day? Three things. Uh, the first would be giving back. That's probably number one. I focus on giving back. Second, I try not to be so hard on myself. I'm super critical and that's not productive. That's just not productive. And I try to, the third would be, I try to take care of myself. You know, specifically what that means is balance my, my full life, eat well, exercise, um, balance school and work and the other programs that I'm participating in. Really, really, really cool advice in a sense. I mean, we all need things that you can wake up and think, okay, these are my sort of founding principles. sounds like that's where you are in your life right now. Oh, I'm definitely in a part in my life where I, 
you know, I, my main goal is just to be authentic. So when I, um, when I communicate with people, I used to be embarrassed uh, of my inability to, um, I'm, I'm 39, but I don't feel like I'm 39. I feel like I'm 23. Honestly, for what kind of life you've been through, you look 23. You do not look 39. Right. Well, I, my life experience and my maturity and many things that go along with that, you know, I, I'm going through experiences that people go through at 23. You know, I, I really legitimately am. Mm -hmm. And so I'm always, you know, I living life for the first time, doing things for the first time. I always wondered what people did with their free time. Oh, this is what people do with their free time. They go to movies, they go on hikes. They, I've been out for uh, three years now and I'm just now starting to be like, okay, like I can, this is cool. I can do this. Cause two years ago I was like, Oh my gosh, you know, it was <laughs> strange. It was completely strange. And so my, my biggest goal is just to try to be authentic because I used to be embarrassed that, that I didn't present like this ultra professional. I've got it all down 39 year old. I feel like I present more like here's the deal. I don't know everything. I'm just trying to do the best, can, the best I can. And that used to make me feel insecure, but now I'm embracing that. And it's just who I am. Hey, I struggled in life. I didn't get it all down. In fact, like I screwed up big. I've lost my daughter. I've, you know, spent many, many years in prison. I've, you know, done these things. And if you pull my criminal history and looked at it, you would go, holy cow. But that's just not who I am today, you know, and I, I wear all that. I wear it. And so people see it and that's okay. Just authentically let that be okay. And so that's what I would say I work on now. That's a really hard thing for people. And it's pretty much based around what other people think. Yes. Because if yes. no one else was around, would you have a problem wearing all that? No, no, because you're alone in this world with yourself and your stuff, but it's that other people are around and you're worried about what they think. But you know what? Being fully out there and fully honest with who you are, people respect that so much more and they trust you more and they relate to you more. And I'm constantly blown away by the compassion that people have for when you're going through tough stuff. Mm, yeah. So that's a uh, people can be great. People can be great. People can be great. Well, I don't know how we did it, but we already passed the 5K. It's been 38 minutes. Is it? The what? average 5K is 36 minutes. Dang it, because I have something else I want to share I want you, you to share it. So what Bring are it on. The, one of the most exciting things, actually back up, the most exciting thing that, I have, that I'm working on since my release from prison is a very special project. And I was chosen uh, through Dress for Success to go to their 2016 Success Summit in Chicago this year. And I attended that in June. It was an absolutely wonderful experience. Along with that experience, I now have the opportunity to implement a community action project. And it took me a little while to figure out exactly um, what blew my hair back or what you know set my heart on fire. And I figured it out. And I would like, I'm super excited to share it because I think that I'm going to be able to, um, to affect some women's lives in a big way. So I am uh, going into uh, the federal halfway house in Denver, Colorado, and I'm going to um, fundraise uh, bags or purses and items that go in those purses, things that I struggled to get when I was first released. Mm -hmm. um, even a bath towel and a washcloth, you know, something pretty and soft. It had been years since I had seen something like that. You know, it's, it's, it's a struggle when you get released from prison. And 
those types of things will go in the bag, like toiletry items, like deodorant, things that are super challenging and things that will let them know, hey, we, we think about you and we care about you. But the most exciting part of my project is we're also going to go in um, at least once a month and possibly twice a month. And someone who has uh, successfully, successfully uh, reentered society and navigated those pitfalls is going to come and share their story with these women. And the exciting part about that is it's that mentorship key that just really, really sets my heart on fire. Mm -hmm. I get super jazzed about being able to share with women, especially in that position. Hey, if you um, if you want to live a different life, it's totally possible. But right now you're going to have to avoid this, this and this and this. And if you do that, this is what's on the other side. And I just think that that is so important. I remember that I was living with women in the halfway house who were selling meth and making bad choices and coming Already. home, coming home uh, drunk. And so I had very little. I had, you know, very, very little. I made $10 an hour. I was struggling. I didn't have a car. They had nice cars and they always seemed to have money. So it's that person on my right shoulder that says, you can do that. You can sell drugs again and have those nice things. Or this other person on, you know, my other shoulder says, wait a second, that's the same old shitty life that you just came out of, Mm -hmm. that you just did time for, that you lost your daughter over. Why would I want to, why would I want to run right back to that? Why don't we slow up, slow it down a second and try something that we don't know. I'm going to try this narrow road and it's going to suck and it's going to be hard. And I don't, I don't even know if it, where it goes. I have no idea where this road goes. So at that pivotal moment, if I could have heard someone say, hey, I know what you're going through and you can do this. And and that just kind of that support. So that's what my project is. So what's it called? It's called Restart Denver. And how can people find out about it? I'm going to give you information so that you can link it to uh, our Facebook page, which okay. is also going to give them a uh, place where they can donate. Great. I'm also uh, taking items for the purses and the bags, mm-hmm. uh, donations for those, as well as money to uh, fund right, f- to uh, fund the project as well. Amazing. Okay, so you're going to go to the show notes afterwards, and we're going to have a bunch of links for that. Okay. okay. Yes. Um, that is amazing. You're doing such great things in this world. Thank you. You have turned it around. I don't know anyone who has turned their life around more than you. You're the most extreme example I know. Oh, thank you so much. So that is a really, like, <laughs> cool thing. And uh, you need to own that. Right? Yes. Wear it. Yes. All right. So I always end every podcast with, uh, I ask every every person I interview to give people one nugget, one thing that they can walk away with. If they can only remember one thing from this interview, and they're going to remember a lot, but one thing, what do you want them to take home that will help them run their world in a bigger and better way than they did before? The overwhelming takeaway from my story is never, never quit trying. Just never quit trying. All right. That's it. Now I don't want to quit the podcast interview with you. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> thank you so much, Nicole, but, for having me. This has just been an absolute honor. Oh, and you I, are. Thank you so much. Your openness and your honesty and your sincerity. I mean, it is, it goes a long way. And I know that people listening have felt that. So thank you for coming in and, and sharing your heart with us. Thanks again. Have you wiped away your tears yet? What a great episode. I'm so proud of Kara. I'm sure all of you listening related in some way to different parts of her her journey, the struggles, 
the uh, successes she's now enjoying, the fact that she used to consider herself a loser and now in her head she's a winner. It's so, so powerful. But I do want to tell you something. Along the way and during this conversation today, Kara mentioned something a few times and I was hesitant to, to ask her about it and go down that path. I just thought it would be too painful. She mentioned losing her daughter through her journey. And she and I discussed afterwards that we need to tell that story, that that's a relevant part of the story, and that we didn't want to leave you all hanging. So stay tuned. We are going to introduce a second part two to the Kara Burns story, and you can learn a little more about that painful and yet joyous part of her life. So on that note, everybody... Thanks for tuning in today, and you know what time it is. It's time to go out and run your world in bigger and better ways than before. 